It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The show goes on. This is the official show on the Fish on First podcast channel with me, Eli Sussman, the founder of Fish on First, the official show. Um, I think this is episode 200. Uh, I could barely remember episode 199 because I'm pretty sure it was several months ago, but we are reviving it. We are putting these post-game reaction pods under the official show banner. This was an idea that for us in the postseason to cover the Marlins, and they are so close to getting there. But essentially, the games they're playing right now in this final weekend of the regular season are de facto playoff games. So we're giving them the same treatment. It's not just me. We got a, a big panel here, five of us for the moment, and maybe even more by the time we get to the end of this. It's Kevin Barral, it's Daniel Rodriguez, it's Alex Carver, it's Alex Krutchik. Um, we'll see. Krutchik on this one here on, on Friday night after game 160 of the season. The Marlins win 4-3. to three. Where are we on the mood meter right here, Krutchik, at this particular time? As uh, coming off, trailing by 3 to nothing, rallying for four runs in the eighth, lowering their magic number to two for the moment, and perhaps to one in the coming minutes. Where are we on this mood meter? This is my prized possession right here. I did not make this mood meter, but I think it's one of the most important and useful things that I have found this season. Right now, I would put the X squarely on the we are so back quadrant. We're not quite in that far uh, top right quadrant, um, but we're almost there. I would say I'm saving that one for the big one. I'm saving that one for the big win. Uh, but right now, the X is as close to that yellow box in the top right corner as you can possibly get without being firmly in the box. 24 hours from now, that might change, but that's where we're at right now. So for people watching on YouTube, be sure to leave a like to this. You can find all of our pod episodes of the official show of the small pod, unfiltered, sw swimming upstream, what, what, whatever Noah does. What a relief. In all those episodes, we posted Physology. videos and versions Physology. here. Physiology, Physiology, uh, other special projects. You can find that on, on YouTube, but for those of us listening on uh, any of the podcast channels as well, um, we'll post the mood meter so that you guys can see it uh, probably in an article post or something so that everybody's on the same page as what we're talking about here. This Marlins team has sprung us back and forth to all corners of this meter. That's what they do. You know, From one series to the next, from one day to the next, they have been so erratic in this this win. Let's get more into the particulars of this win, Mister Carver. Uh, 
as I said, a four to three victory over the Pittsburgh Pirates, despite trailing kind of throughout. I guess we'll we'll start with Edward Cabrera because he came up a bit during our live stream heading into this. He is essentially the number three starter on this team during this critical time of year with some so much of their other depth just out due to injuries. Um, so he was the guy that kind of, he put them in a little bit of a hole. Wasn't terrible overall. It was somewhat of a mixed bag from him. What would you see from Edward here? Only getting three and two thirds into this and leaving down by a couple of runs. Yeah, it's, it's uh, when that happened, Eli, like when, when, when the, you know, in the early innings of this game, I'm like, okay, there, <laughs> this is going to be tough to do. Um, you know, it is the pirates. It is a team that, that hasn't been fantastic this year. But it is still a major league baseball team, and you're, you, you, the Marlins don't have pitching depth. They they straight up don't have pitching depth, and their starters only going. Uh, what is what did Edward go three innings tonight? Whatever it was, right? So I, I mean, it it was just tough to see. And, and honestly, like we've been screaming about this, and I've been talking about it as long as I have. Like when this guy doesn't use his fastball and has to go straight and only and almost significantly to his breaking pitches. He only threw fourteen fastballs tonight. Like when you when you have to throw throw so many breaking pitches and you don't have command of the strike zone, this is what's going to happen. You're not going to last long. I mean, this is a guy who throws with max effort. Um, he throws very, very hard. He throws all of his stuff pretty damn hard. Um, so when, when you only are using your breaking pitches, it's tough to see you going deep into games. And that's exactly what happened tonight. It's happened to Edward in the past. Um, his last start, I, I thought he used the fastball a little bit more. I thought it was more of a mix. And then tonight he was almost significantly back to breaking stuff. So... Um, that's why he struggled, but thankfully the, the bullpen was very good tonight, and then the Marlins were able to make it up there in the eighth inning, and it, it wound up good. Was there a moment where you started believing, just based on following the play-by-play, that they could actually pull it out again, pull off one of these other comebacks again that uh, they've done so many times this season? you got to look at the eighth inning. I mean, I think that's where it really got going, obviously. Uh, Hampson gets the single. Then you bring in Luis Rise. That's kind of where you, like, where you feel like, man, Skip's going all in. No matter what, uh, you, maybe even Rise was the one who asked to get in that game. Um, he gets that hit. Then you go with Soler. He walks it, so you load the bases up for Josh Bell. He gets the double, and then they just mount this huge comeback, and it's... Had nothing going all night long, and here they are. Marlins have runners first and third. Jazz at the dish. Jazz, fly ball left center. Should be deep enough. In comes Guriel, a sack fly, and the Marlins have taken the lead. A four spot in the eighth. This team got into Pittsburgh at four in the morning. God knows at what time they they went to bed, probably like five or six in the morning, which is when, you know, I got to think about them getting off the plane, going into that hotel, and them coming back very early, fairly, fairly early, you could say like 1 or 2 p.m. Uh, to Pittsburgh, you know, to the ballpark, get ready for, for a full game this time around, and Thankfully, weather weather was great uh, from Isaac's picture. I think that's the background we have if you're watching yep. on the recording. So, you know, you, you really didn't expect much from this team. I'm not going to say you expect them to come out flat by any means, but, you know, just a team that really is exhausted after waiting three hours in New York with, you know, we got, that's a discussion for another day or if you guys watched the live stream earlier today, you know. But aside from that, just that eighth inning, you know, Berger obviously with a big hit to give him the lead. Jazz gives to tie it, I'm sorry. Jazz and gets the sack fly to give them the lead. So couldn't have asked for a better eighth inning and a better comeback from this team. And um, yeah, they wound up getting to their team hotel last night at four thirty-five in the morning. A couple of the players told media pregame uh, that they didn't wind up going to bed until five or six in the morning. Um, some of them didn't get up until like twelve thirty. Um, 
this team was exhausted. And Skip told media after the game, you know, I didn't want to admit it before the game, but we were lethargic. We knew we were lethargic. I was lethargic, and I'm not even playing the game. They all knew it. Um, they were sleepwalking the first six innings, and I can't really blame them. Um, ironically, Luis Arise, who Skip has told us, you know, we see him as the quote-unquote energizer bunny, which is the perfect thing to have right now when you've gotten five hours of sleep and went to bed at six in the morning. He's our energizer bunny. All he does is come in, hit a single, immediately gets subbed out because he can't really run, and then that leads to them putting up a fourth spot in the eighth inning. So I, I thought that it was really great, and I thought that it just proves how important a rise is, not just because of his individual contributions, but also what it does to the rest of the team. And it's funny because I think this was Josh Bell who had mentioned it to Isaac, who was at the ballpark, and he told him, or to the media in general, he, he mentioned kind of like when you're a little sleepier, when you're not you know, as you know, like energized, Kind of feels like you hit the ball better. And funny enough, he's the one who hit it to get those two runs to score in there. And obviously followed by Berger and, and Jazz, who, who got the um the sack fly. So huge game for Miami. I mean, obviously now we'll wait to see what happens with Chicago and Milwaukee. But tomorrow we can talk about um a team that's that's clinching that the the NL wild card. And it will be interesting to see what happens with Josh Bell. Uh, uh, Isaac Azut is at the ballpark tonight, so we'll probably hear a status on him. But he, after his double that you just mentioned, after he slid into second base, he got up and he was a little limp walking around, and they wound up pulling him and uh, putting in Yuli Gurriel as a pinch runner. Um, and remember, he – I don't know if this is related for sure, um, but he was hit very hard uh, in the left knee – the one of his knees with a fastball against the Mets earlier this week. Uh, so he could still be feeling some right lingering knee. effects, right knee. right knee. And so he can still be feeling some lingering effects. Uh, hopefully we find out more tonight. Yeah. Cause it kind of felt like when he got hit there, he was fine for like a split, like two seconds immediately yeah. falls to the ground out after that and barely could walk. And he was taken out, but he looked fine. And so the, the weird slide, it was a pretty awkward slide, you know, kind of looking back at it a couple of times. Cubs yep. just tied the game with an Ian Hop home run, by the way, three to three in the ninth. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna be. I think we'll keep this going until there's a resolution to that game. Although although it is tied, it might go to extras, but we'll keep people updated. I think we will have Isaac on here before the end of the show. This is an amazing stat from Opta Stats that this is the sixth time the Marlins have been trailing by at least three runs after the seventh inning and come back to win the game. And there's been no team to do that in a single season six times to come back by that much that late in the game in a single season in the modern era. The modern era, Kevin. That's not since 2015. That's since uh, 1901 uh, or so. Yeah, that is that is uh, not 2020. In this form of modern baseball, that anybody's recollection. This is kind of just unprecedented. I, I think as a group, we could could we try to like come up with, off the top of our head with these six wins to try to remember them. I know definitely the one in Atlanta, Chicago, um, White Sox. in the season one against, was there one against the White Sox? Yeah. They were down to like, Oh, the Yankees one for sure. The Yankees one is, yeah, that's where I was going to go next. It was on the road at Atlanta coming out of that rain delay on a getaway day. Then at home against the Yankees on the final game of that series where they were down, I think four runs entering the ninth inning. The Yankees. Uh, no, I think it was even more. Yeah, it was, but this is just like from after the seventh okay. inning on. 
Well, Chicago for sure. That was in the that was like in the eighth. Uh, I I have another stat for you guys uh, coming into tonight's uh, set of games. Uh, the Marlins were hitting 268 in the seventh inning or later, uh, which is the highest in Major League Baseball. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Because Marlins games, so many- Marlins games don't start until nine o'clock at night. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, and the thing is, there's been you Krechik wrote about this, I guess almost two months ago at this point, about that stretch where they were hitting so poorly against starters and then really flipping a switch once starting pitchers left the game. And that's what made this game tonight so complicated, is it was a bullpen game. They just they used an opener and they just went one or two innings at a time. There was no starter in the first place. So maybe that just had them out of their rhythm because there there was no like evident change. There was one interesting appearance from former Marlin Kyle Nicholas. He was one of the better pitching prospects in this organization two years ago. He got traded in the Jacob Songs trade, and he was he probably the best night out of all the parade for relievers that came out of the Pirates' pen. 98 mile per hour gas and locating it pretty well, and yet they were able to break through against the other guys. Um, there must have been maybe one of those games against the Nationals at some point. Coming back from a similar deficit like this late in the game, there've been. Um, and then I think it was also that game in Cincinnati. Yeah, that one qualifies as well. That game in Cincinnati where Bell hit home runs from both sides of the plate. He hit one early on, and then they were down four to one in the eighth inning, and he had a three-run shot that tied it, and then they ended up winning it in the ninth. That was another one off the top of my head. So this was. In some ways, you get a little uneasy every single time, but this is kind of following a similar rhythm to a bunch of other stuff that we've already seen this season. Anything else? This was the return of Huascar Brazabon, his very his first game in like a month and a half, coming off the IL in this one. And um, Tanner Scott's back too, right? And Tanner Scott, this was his first appearance as a new dad. He went on the paternity list. There was naturally a lot of anxiety about seeing him away from the team at this critical time of year. He had to miss both of the, the whole doubleheader. And then he was back. He was available yesterday as well on Thursday in New York if they needed him to end up coming in the game. Um, but this was his first pitching appearance of the entire week. And oh, just as I get the little email notification about a recap going on, got Isaac in the back so he could pull himself on whenever he is ready. Yeah, now Tanner Scott, out of all of them, is probably the one that had the worst travel day yesterday because, remember, he wasn't originally with the team. He flew in from uh, wherever they had their child, um, and I heard – I believe that he came to City Field around the second inning. So he flew all the way to New York, uh, warmed up for a couple minutes, sat around for three hours, and then got on a flight to Pittsburgh at 2 in the morning. Yeah, the, the Marlins have their closer in this guy. Um you know, he threw nine pitches tonight, and I think like five or six of them were over 98 miles an hour. And then he has that really, really, really good slider. 
this is the Marlins closer. Um, Robertson, you know, the other thing that we can call it with Robertson is that guy is, I mean, yeah, you know, he's comp- competing, you know, he's been here before, but man, he, he gets, he, he, he's got a short fuse, I guess is what we could say about David Robertson. He gets, he gets, he gets worked up pretty quickly. Um, so, so yeah, he did it against nice something with the baseball or something like that. We could probably talk about that, but man, Tanner Scott, um, you know, even after this time off, he's probably got tons of things going on in his mind with a brand new baby and all that other thing, all those other things. But man, he comes in, gets the job done again, and he's throwing straight gas. So this is the Marlins closer. He's got two pitches and he has to have both of them, but he's had both of them most of the time this year. This is the Marlins closer. Yeah, something interesting to mention with Scott is that he mentioned that his bullpen that he threw yesterday before the delay was pivotal to him, you know, feeling comfortable again, going back out there and then not being so foreign. Uh, tonight, obviously, th- same thing happened. They went with Robertson for the eighth and Scott followed with, an, I think it was a three minute and 15 seconds bottom of the ninth. So uh, fantastic job by him, obviously. And Miami's lucky to have him back at this time. Yeah, I didn't even have time to like, go through my gift library and choose the one I wanted to celebrate the win. And that's why I put the one with Isaac up on it because he, he got the job done too quickly and really Wait, which, which one with me there. Just put up a piece. The, on. Yeah. Oh, because the magic number went down to two at that particular. Oh. It's probably going to stay at that. Too. From the, from the post game stuff, Isaac, um, I guess we were wondering a little early just to, we think Josh Bell is all right. Even after uh, yes. leaving the game for that pinch runner after that. Slide, yeah. He's all good. Yeah. Josh Bell is all good. Um, Arise. It was an interesting one. I don't know if you guys discussed this already. He came off the bench, obviously pinch hit and when asked if he's gonna possibly start anytime soon skip was very non-committal because he mentioned that solely has to dh because he's not 100 percent. so it'd be tough to have a rise he would have to dh if, if a rise is in the lineup basically so right. with solaire taking up that spot is really tough and obviously taking grounders at second base is a huge development but i don't think he's quite there yet i would say sunday should they need to clinch that's when should they not have clinched yet? That's when I see him returning to the lineup. That, that's like that's got to be like the Marlins, like Kirk Gibson moment tonight. Then, right? Yes. Like <laughs> the, the guy's on one leg; he can barely walk. You know, they took him out right after the hit, and he just gets that easy, totally Luis Arias style poke single out to the opposite field, and really gets the <laughs> inning started. Like we said before, and this guy is probably at I don't know, it was maybe sixty percent, <laughs> right? So crazy just to, to be in that spot, to be in such a big spot. You know he wants to be in that spot, but he's also able to get it done through, you know, it wasn't the best swing of all time. It was kind of just like reach out and get it done, but he did it. Um, and that's kind of what got that, got that inning going. And, and, you know, it kind of, kind of, kind of livened up the rest of the dugout. The Marlins were very sluggish, as Alex said before, um, you know, until that point in time, uh, especially. And, uh, yeah, Arias gets off the bench, gets it going. I'm sure when he got back to the bench, there was a lot of a lot of cheers for him because that guy is definitely not at 100. percent But super cool to see. Uh, I, I I'm gonna call that the Marlins Kirk Gibson moment from now. Obviously, okay. Isaac, you said he was non-commit. Skip was non-committal, but now Bally puts Luis Arias says he'll be ready in the lineup tomorrow. He said that. Wow, he did say that. Yeah, I don't know. I I trust the manager over the player always. Obviously, yeah, always, especially <laughs> with this team. So, um, yeah. possibly he would have to play second base, like we mentioned. So we'll see if he's in the lineup. Hopefully no setbacks occur. But yeah, Alex, it, it really will. He swings at the first pitch, something he doesn't do often. He swings and misses, fouls the next pitch off, and then he flicks one in the left field immediately. It's just we could do nothing but laugh up here in the press box. It was fantastic. And yeah, even Skip admitted it, you know, going into this game, they're a bit they felt a bit lethargic. 
and just a little bit droggy throughout the first seven frames, it seemed like. And finally, things picked up in that electric eighth inning. Just wow, everything everything went Miami's way. That inning after nothing went the first seven. Yeah, it's kind of what I mentioned yesterday, too. Like, I know it's a moot point now because the Marlins won this game, but like making them sit around for three hours in New York, like that's the effect, right? Like they're still in it, right? So they, they got to get to another city. And, you know, it almost happened tonight that they didn't, you know, kind of rebound on time, but lo and behold, they did. So just a disaster in New York, but uh, a good feeling tonight. The only thing that maybe didn't go amazing in that eighth inning was Xavier Edwards. I was listening on the radio and Kyle Seeloff was freaking out. He made it sound like it was a no doubt home run off his bat. And now I finally see the replay now as we're talking and it like barely made it to the warning track. It was hit to yeah. right center. So like if he pulled it, it definitely would have gone out. <laughs> but it was uh, a little bit of a moonshot. It had a very high apex. It really went up there. Yeah. Yeah. We all got we thought at best it would maybe go over the right fielder's head. And we were like, Isaac, oh your God. audio sucks right now. No offense. All right. Well sorry. No, like you, we can't hear you. Okay, now we can. Hey, you know, you were just leaning. You were leaning on on something that was smudging things. All right. Well, yeah. No, we. I, I, I can't wait to listen to Kyle's uh, call of that one. But it was. It was. Uh, we thought he had gotten. We thought he had got like, an extra base hit there. Well, it's looking like it's going to go into extras. Brewers and and Cubs. They just yes, they no Devin play. Williams for the Brewers. <laughs> they threw out a kid. I think it was his major league debut. To Caleb Bougley. Yeah, Caleb. some capital. Jeez. And gave up the first pitch home run to Ian Happ. And Miami's obviously, I'm sure you guys have covered this. Magic number can go down to one if the yeah. Cubs fall here. So I out for that. I guess Isaac, did Skip give any reasoning? I guess it's been his go-to guy at this point with the with the opener, but it, did he give any reasoning behind Chargua? Skip Skip didn't announce Chargua to us. I received that text message about 10 minutes ago. Okay. I thought a possibility was Puck, considering he had started before in his career, and depending on the lineup, maybe they like him, and Shagwa was used tonight. But no, they went with Shagwa, who's open for them a few times this year. Was no, there any sentiment it, about who the, the long guy will be, like Hoeing or Soriano? Like, was that sound, asked? Or it no? sounds like Hoeing. I think Hoeing, Soriano, they're going to combine to eat a bulk of the innings because I don't think you can count on either one of them to give you five, to be honest. And if they want to make sure they win the game, you probably don't want them pitching against the lineup for more than once. So right. I, I think they're going to combine for for tomorrow's game. And then you got your back end guys all fresh. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the last time they went with Shagwa and then they followed it up with Okert and, and Hoeing. That was the um, the Brewers 16 run game where they scored those all in like in the second inning. Yeah, yes. Hoeing was the, was, the, was the one who gave up the most runs there. Oak, none of no one pitched well that game. Obviously, evidenced by the sixteen to one final score. But I, uh, hopefully, something different happens tomorrow. Stallings pitched well in that game, if I remember correctly. Yes, two innings, I believe. No, two innings. Uh, yeah, two innings of nothing. Yeah, I took this screenshot for people watching on YouTube uh, before it was, the probables were set. But as you see on the bottom, it is Shagwa's opener for the Marlins. Quinn Priester for the Pirates. He yet another rookie. I mean, the Pirates have about as many rookies on their active roster right now as anybody. We we're talking about this on the live stream, Daniel, about when look at the lineup, how like none of their hitters are qualified for any full season stuff because 
not they're, not they're not just rookies, but guys that have only come up during the middle of the year as well. So that speaks to the farm system strength they have. Quinn Priester, decent talent, but he's got an eight ERA so far in his big league career. He's coming off one of his best starts against the Reds, allowed just two runs and two hits in six innings. Uh, it'll, this will be on six days before that. And uh, but other than that, most of his starts are pretty mediocre. So it's just a question about uh, how the Marlins patch things together after Chagua, as you guys brought up. And uh, something I was stressing on the stream is that you need to ride Tanner Scott uh, in all these games. The fact that he was unused during that Mets series, the fact that he's a guy that has shown he could go back-to-back-to-back days without any issue. Like if, If this game is anywhere close, even if they're trailing in the eighth inning or so, you can't be complacent just because they're in a pretty strong position at this very moment. You still got to use your very best guys um, in this one. Yeah. Another update from Milwaukee and Chicago's recording this brewers. One more out to work with in the bottom of the ninth to try to walk it off there. Otherwise that's going to extras and people will have to find out in the morning exactly what the magic number is for this. Yeah, they're making a pitching change right now. They just took out um, Mark Leiter jr. So yeah. And uh, just an update from St. Louis. Uh, Cincinnati's probably going to win. Uh, it's the bottom of the ninth, and they're up 19-2. to two. Uh, So they will most likely hold on there. I guess I would ask. Um, obviously, Miami still would possibly – they could still claim that second spot. I think we could kind of go around the room and hear just who would you rather face, Milwaukee or Philadelphia? Because if Miami does claim that second uh, wild card, they would go to Philadelphia and play Philly instead of Milwaukee here. So whoever wants to start, I guess just uh, as we wait for this Brewers game to end here, we're going extras. Daniel should take that because Daniel asked the same thing on the stream, and he was mm-hmm. still in the ass that everybody enough. else yeah. answered. Um, Give us your I, take. I would say I would. I might go with the Phillies. I, I might it's better know what W do than the W don't, and they know – the Phillies, they know the Braves. Again, it'll be very difficult, but I think the Marlins could be up to the task. They have not been fared well against the Brewers as of late, and I do not want to face, or Marlins should not want to go over there in L.A. and face guys like Mookie Betts and, and kind of their pitching. I know the Braves, they can be able to handle their pitching. I know we mentioned the 16 run and whatnot, but I think the Marlins, with enough time, could, could able to take at least a game or two from the Braves. And with the if Phillies, again, very up and down team. Um, they just lost one to the Pirates. The Phillies can lose to almost every anyone, and I think the Marlins can go up against the Phillies. We've seen it before in the past. It's a high strikeout team. Maybe not the best best defensively, but I think the Marlins would want to go up against the teams that they do know compared to against the Brewers and 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 maybe scouting on that side might be a little more difficult and always going up against LA and I don't trust the Marlins taking care of guys like Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts at all. But then you look at it, you'd rather face LA's pitching. Uh, Atlanta's pitching yeah. is, is great. Aside, yeah, I think that's Kershaw. I think they don't have really much else. If I'm, I think with the oh, scheduling changes, like obviously, yeah, they, they still face the NLEs, you know, a bit more, but um, they know the Marlins as well <laughs> on those teams as well. So, you know, it's kind of it's kind of like, uh, yeah, you know, they know each other a little bit better, and that's fine. But the Marlins did just face Milwaukee, and they won the series. Um, L.A. earlier in the year, I think they did pretty well as well, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, there's, there's 
you know, I, I think I think with the scheduling changes now where everybody faces everybody, it's a little bit different. So um, I would want to be where the Marlins are at right now, honestly. Um, I would want to be facing the, the Brewers, who they just beat, and the, the, the Dodgers. Um, you know, you can kind of deal with their pitching a little bit better than mm-hmm. Braves um, mm-hmm. and get through it that way. And, and um, they got to just, Brandon Woodruff last time too. So they did. And just to put something that means nothing, according to fan graphs, the Miami Marlins playoff percentage sits at 83%, the highest that it's been all year long. Obviously, you know, there's three games left, so you're gonna see some crazy numbers, but that's at 83. That's with the Marlins 83rd win, which they got tonight, and the Cubs sit at 16.1. Obviously, I assume if the Cubs do win, that'll change right now. That'll change dearly. But as of right now, it's at 83%. I think we'll have a more solidified percentage once that game ends. And obviously, if you're Miami, you you really would love to clinch tomorrow. You don't want to go with Brax on short rest, which I will just take him out of that wild card round. Right. And, right. You you just want game one sixty two to really not mean anything to you absolutely because if you want to look at it in a positive way that game that they have to make up on monday you could sort of look at it as a win they have they have in their back pocket maybe they don't need it maybe they do need it but that is something that they have they're in the lead they're probably you know a huge favorite to win that game as of right now as they have the lead in the ninth (laughs) inning but that's something that maybe they won't even have to to complete but we shall see it's it's good that they have it and it's just ginormous that they won tonight's ball game yeah, and it really goes to show how much that game last night not being completed does impact you. Because let's say Chicago does lose, Miami right now Miami would clinch. <laughs> so I mean, you kind you could look at it both ways, but obviously you go into you go in there tomorrow and you kind of hope Miami could get it going. And Pittsburgh's going with obviously major league numbers don't look great, but he's going they're going with their top prospect or top two prospect Quinn Priester. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a stud. Is he's he really, is he the one that we talked about? Not really a prospect anymore. It's kind of. Coach? He went up and down a couple of times, yeah, but yeah, according, yeah. you know. So. I mean, you guys are mentioning the rookies. The rookies combined for six hits in this game. This, These aren't guys who are going in their first game scared of the first pitch they see in Major League action. You look at guys like Andy Rodriguez, Peguero, Palacios, Tubio, just all these guys with hits, multiple hits. Henry Davis, again, number one pick for a reason, hasn't been that hot. But He's been awful. It's still, it's still a vein, a very dangerous, I would say, bottom half with the rookies. I would not shrug off um, any of those guys just because they have an R next to their name or low service time. Just the way they performed today should really give the Marlins, you know, not to not to look over those guys because again, top prospects for a reason. They can hit the ball, and they really proved that here, combining for six hits, more than uh, I think some of the Marlins too. And Andy, yeah. Andy's a stud. No, and, and and the main guy who just had phenomenal at bats all game long, Connor Joe, uh, reached base in his first four plate appearances, a couple of hits, and then a couple of walks. And Tanner Scott was finally able to retire him with a one pitch five three put out. So I, I think that's the name that you got to look out for for the rest of the series. Him and Brian Reynolds, obviously, you have these young guys like Daniel mentioned. Uh, but I think you really got to worry about those top two names, even Cabrian Hayes as elite as he is defensively hasn't really caught up with that yet but like daniel said it is a it's a decent lineup that it shouldn't be overlooked at all especially when you don't have any starting pitchers for the rest of the series i mean going back look at the first half of the year pittsburgh was in it for for remember that best record in the nl for 16 uh, and one or something i don't know something in like april that. yeah it was it got off to a pretty good start the one guy that i mentioned on the stream 
and a key matchup I thought for this game was Jack Sawinski, um, mm. who is a big three true outcomes guy who rakes against righties in particular. It was kind of strength on strength, him versus Eddie, because Eddie is really good against left-handed pit hitters, and Eddie won both of those battles, and Sawinski got a hit later on. That's going to be, yet again, top of mind entering Saturday because we talk about the pitchers. It's Shagwa who's opening, and then it's going to be, we think, one of those other righties as the bulk guy, whether it's Soriano or Hoeing. So he's going to have that platoon advantage again. Um, yeah, the Pirates tonight really didn't do a whole lot offensively. They, they kind of scratched across those three runs. It wasn't pretty. And Swinski is one of the few guys that really does have that awesome power when he gets into it. So that is yet another player that I think if he has a quiet day, then that the Marlins are likely going to win again. And uh, we'll, we'll let them make sure that he's starting for one. I did want to go back to, as Isaac mentioned, the updated playoff odds, just soak it in that the fact that this is, as he said, the highest point they've been They They were relatively in a similar spot right before the all-star break, late June, early July, entering that off the top of your head. You probably remember the high water mark was 14 games above 500. So yep. 14 games above 500 now is the same as being seven above well, 14 back then is the same as being seven above right now, even though the it hasn't been as, as pretty. And obviously the lead that they have seems so small that just shows you the, the balance between the, what you have left on the schedule versus the advantage that you have. And so it is, you add it all together. And even though it's such a small margin between the Marlins and the Cubs, it is, a pretty substantial margin and they could still blow it. These odds can change extremely rapidly, but for the moment, this is just incredible. This is uh, as confident. If you're a Marlins fan, you shouldn't be any less confident now than you were back then. They're so close to the finish line. They have that final Mets game, not totally in their back pocket, but pretty close. I feel like if you go back, they have a really strong chance of closing that out for their 84th win one way or another. This is this is awfully close. Uh, we were planning to do these pods after each game until they clinch, and they're going to have, well, we're going to continue to delay a little bit longer to see if we can get the results of the Cubs game, but either way, they're going to have, there's a scenario where they clinch on Saturday, game two of uh, the first time a playoff spot in a full length season in 20 years. They're that close. Uh, so I guess we could bring up Matt Moore quickly. He's not playoff eligible. They could probably try to run him as much as they can. Right. Can we expect him maybe in a bulk tomorrow? Or do you think they just go with him on Sunday? If this game 162 was just, you know, I, I don't think of him as a bulk guy at this point, just because he hasn't been in that situation. I, I think it's a very strong chance that he's used and he could go two innings. Um, it's, it's been a while since he was an actual starter. I was a little surprised that they went with Robertson over him in, in this particular game. That caught me a little bit off guard. That was something else that brought up, though, on the stream, that more he's – this is it. His season ends in – by the time people are listening to this, it'll be the final, like, 40 hours of his entire season. He's got to let it all <laughs> loose. Sucks. Yeah, it's a weird feeling for him that he's not going to get to participate in that – the small dose we've seen of him in as a Marlin has been relatively good. And uh, yeah, so he had another guy that's available in that situation that wasn't used in that uh, very first game. Kind of hope Miami brings him back. Mm -hmm. and, you know, via free agency, he, he looked good. 
you know, for the most part, for what he's let done. Me, so. uh, let me ask you guys, speaking of guys, if you want to bring back, what about Garrett Hampson? This guy has just been the Absolutely. ultimate hard plug with oh, a, a OPS over 730. And, yep. you know, you can tell he's a locker room, uh, locker room, clubhouse guy. Everyone likes him. Everyone's playing games. Uh, I remember going there, everyone playing ping pong with Garrett Hampson, just a really good clubhouse guy. Could play anywhere on the infield, uh, play multiple positions. Just the way that he approaches the game, approaches the the, the bats. Uh, I know Carver, you're a big proponent uh, of Alex, not, of uh, Garrett Hampson coming back. This yeah. guy has been everything and some. He has this is the highest WAR of his career. He has a, I believe, a 1.5 WAR for a guy yeah. who who no one thought he would even be here at this point. He's maybe not even 50 games. He's close to 100 games and close to 250 plate appearances. Yeah. Absolutely. This guy has been definitely the surprise of the season. Um, as the Cubs, by the way, have the go-ahead run at third base right now, by the way, uh, in the top of the 10th. But, um, yeah, this guy's been the surprise of the season. Both him, we were talking about role players on the uh, on the, on the the live stream today, right, uh, pregame. And I was talking about Birdie, uh, who got on base twice today. One was a four-pitch walk. I think the other one he fouled off a couple pitches and walked as well. And then Hanson, who reached three times, um, twice via, via hits. I think one of those should have been a second error instead of a hit. But either way, he got two hits and reached on an error. Um, I know he made an error as well, but I think this guy looks fine at shortstop. He at least fakes it at shortstop. I don't think he's like a long-term shortstop or anything, but he can play it. And this is going to be a valuable guy off the bench. Yeah, bottom of the 10th inning in Milwaukee. We're going to wrap this up in just a few minutes once we see our beloved Brew crew win it. Is that it? I don't want to spoil it in case some of you are behind. Oh! <laughs> we clinching tomorrow. Fish fans. We Magic. like it. We like it. Entering Saturday. Entering game 61. The Marlins. Magic number to clinch a postseason berth in 2022. 2023, Marlins' magic number is down to one. They need a combination of one win and one Cubs loss to clinch a postseason berth. Thank you to Carlos Santana, Milwaukee, getting the job done right there tonight. Wow. They are on Hey, hey remember, Miami was interested in Carlos Santana. They let him go to, to, to Milwaukee, and That's look what right. he did. That's Tim right. Masterclass. They exactly. did it without Brian Anderson too. Wow. <laughs> that, yes, are, are they? I think they're undefeated in the post Brian Anderson era. They're pretty good with him, but they were they were even better when they benched him. And now they're <laughs> they're <laughs> juggernaut when he's no longer there anymore. Uh, yeah, so he was going to get MVP look. votes according to one staff member, but uh, on, but yeah. on Saturday game. Well, actually, I, I misspoke. You know, this is game 160 for the Marlins coming up because technically that other game is still in, in limbo. They've played, they've completed 159. The 160th full game begins here um, against the Pirates. Same start time as Friday, 635 Eastern. It's going to be Shagwa's opener and rookie Quinn Priester for the Pirates. If they win, they are in to the postseason um, Isaac's gonna the need Cubs to get are the... keeping, assuming no change of plans. Uh, the Cubs are gonna try to keep their season alive with rookie Jordan Wicks. It's been pretty good, but the Marlins—they've been controlling their own destiny now for the past couple days, and now they are—they have their fins on the throat of the Cubs right here. 
just one away from doing it. elsewhere around here. It's not, you know, premature to look, get greedy and look at the second wild card spot because as we're recording this, the D backs are losing in their game. If, if that score holds, then entering Saturday, uh, the Marlins would be just a half game back of them. And remember, they still have that Mets game on the verge. That's another win that they're on the cusp of getting. So if you assume they've finished that off, that's going to be an interesting topic for later in the weekend about whether what happens if the second wildcard spot is still alive. Do they even want to go to New York to make it to finish off that game? Do they really want to spend that off day fighting for playoff position? But in the meantime, yeah, the main story here, just one away from doing it. Awesome. So the official show. Thanks, everybody, for joining us here. Kevin, Daniel, and Alex, and Alex, and Eli, and Isaac. Um, whether you're listening to us, whether you're watching us on YouTube, yeah, just show your support. Rate, review, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Become a super subscriber, fishonfirst.com. Um, we really need it to provide you the best possible postseason coverage as well. Not a guarantee yet, but you saw the odds. That was 83% put up early in the show. That was before the Cubs lost. So, that number is going to creep even higher. They are really on the high, verge. High. This is this is really uh, about to happen. I, I am going to be incorrect with my prediction that I made just a few hours before this recording, but that's okay. It's a good thing to be wrong about. Um, so yeah, we'll have more audio stuff tomorrow. It's either if they clinch, we're going to do a Spaces Twitter Space on Marlon Spaces account reacting live to that, um, or if the magic number gets stuck at one for whatever reason, then. We're going to do another post-game pod kind of laying out the scenario at that time. But yeah, a lot more coverage from us on all our different platforms. Thanks for your support right here in Go Fish.